And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Elliot, let's go right from talking to a beautiful ring announcer, Amy Hayes, to a gentleman who played in the Windy City for several years. He was an 11-time All-Star in the ABA and NBA. He's the NBA's career leader in field goal percentage. He just got inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Artis Gilmore, how are you doing, Artis? I'm doing very well, and you? Good. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame. What took so long? <laughs> you know, that was my question to you. What took so long? <laughs> I don't know. I, these voters, I mean... They so. must have been doing it according to height, starting with the shortest. That, yes. That's the only reason I can come up with. Right. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I assume that was the reason they made that decision. Now, does it get better having had that long wait as opposed to if, if it had happened, you know, 15 years ago or something like that? Do you appreciate it more? Oh, absolutely. It is a re- really special time. Certainly, you know, one thought is uh, I would have uh, really enjoyed, uh, you know, my parents being able to sit there and experience this. But, you know, they're not here. They're above looking at it. But... uh it is a great time right now to, and a great moment for me to enjoy this uh, this in my, this period of time in my life. Do you get to pick which team's jersey you wear, or is it just a generic thing when you go in the Basketball Hall of Fame? No, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure of the process, but I, I think uh, what's going to be important is to allow somebody uh, to. I might do a contest. <laughs> no, I'm not sure how that how that process worked. Now, you started off in Chipley, Florida, a, a very small town, worked your way up to Jacksonville University, and I assume that was a big transition. And, and, yes, it was. And then, and then you go to the Kentucky Colonels, and I assume that's an even bigger transition. What was that like? It, well, it was it was pretty, pretty special, pretty incredible, uh, being able to... Uh, go from, uh, of course, from the Kentucky Colonels into the NBA. That was, uh, uh, well, go from, you know, the fact is the very little small crowds. I remember the Dallas Chaparral before they moved to San Antonio. It was, uh, you know, very few people that uh, actually was out watching the ball game. Kind of like the Chicago Stadium when you play with the Bulls. That place was pretty much empty, wasn't it? Well, except for when we played some of the teams. It was a little surprising that, you know, that we had uh, a few fans on different occasions. What was it like? Okay, you're in the pros. You're in Kentucky for, you know, 71 to, to 76. And then, then you come to Chicago, which is a much, much larger market. What was that like? Oh, that that was a, a really um, coming to Chicago was was pretty special. Now, certainly, uh, the culture and everything was totally different, uh, considering you know in comparison to Louisville. But uh, I, you know, I just thoroughly enjoyed the uh, uh, the growth and just certainly being in Chicago and and the people, the fans. It was just uh, 
really special and very supportive. I don't understand today's game with the center position. Back in the day, you needed a dominant center to win a championship. Nowadays, it seems like they just stick anybody at center, and these teams are winning it, which I don't get. I mean, what happened with the center position? (laughs) Uh, You know, that's not true. You look back over the years, uh, there has only been a very handful of dominant centers that's been able to win championships. But you look back, they've, uh, you know, uh, Jack Sigmund was sort of a power forward. Elvin Hayes was a power forward with the uh, uh, with the the Bullets, and you look at uh, and and of course uh, you look at uh, Willis Reed was not really a center; he was a power forward. And uh, of course, Dave Cowens initially started off; he was a he was a kind of a power forward, and, and of course later on moved to that that center position. But if you look at it, really, I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, probably Wilt Chamberlain, there's only a handful of guys that was uh, seven feet tall and played the center position to the point that, you know, are very successful there. Oh, you have Shaquille O'Neal. Of course, he had... Well, yeah. That's another era, another time. He had Kobe Bryant alongside. Yeah, but that's true as well. I mean, all great centers have had great uh, people on the side, forward or guard. Now... And you go back to uh, even 75 with Golden State. You know, Rick Barry was a forward. And, you know, they uh, that was just a uh, forward team. And the guys, George Johnson and Clifford Ray, played the combination kind of a center position, but not truly a center. Uh, Clifford Ray's by 6'8". What about Nate Thurman? He wasn't that big. Huh? Nate Thurman wasn't that big. Well, Nate was not there that year, that year they won it. Uh, not with uh, Golden State. He had, uh, I think he got traded to Chicago, perhaps. And and nowadays, you look at a guy like LeBron James, you know, 20, 25 years ago, they probably would have had him at center. And you look at a guy like Kevin Durant, he's out shooting three-pointers. If Artis Gilmore came along today, they'd probably have you at point guard. That sounds good, but the, certainly the game has evolved and changed. It is different from what it was early years. Artists, who are you rooting for in the Bulls Heat series? Oh, I mean, I, I, I'm a native Floridian. I pull for Florida, but I love the Bulls. My heart is with the Bulls. I, I love to see them can have success. And I knew they were struggling uh, last night. They were going to have some problems last night. Now. During your career, you made the all-defensive team uh, on more than one occasion. Would you have enjoyed playing for a coach like Tom Thibodeau, who is yeah, defense-oriented? Uh, really good. Yeah, absolutely. What is it about playing defense that appeals to a player? Some some players just have no desire whatsoever to play defense. All they do is say, give me the ball, give me the ball when we have it on offense. Does it take a certain mindset? Uh, well, it does. I mean, and, and if you and you have to think in terms of doing things within the framework in order to, to be successful uh, as a team, and that's what's important. You were teammates with Rush Street Reggie Theus. What was it like playing with Reggie? Well, Reggie was a very, very talented guy, really outstanding uh, uh, athlete, but sometimes, you know, uh, it, it was... Different, difficult to uh, 
to get uh, everybody to buy into the same thought in, in order to uh, think of one, the same uh, level of being a team, working as a team effort. And so, you know, um, Reggie was a no-questioner, extraordinary talent. I mean, you had 24,941 career points. A former teammate of yours, though, had 27,000 career points, which is fifth on the all-time list. Dan Islow, how you doing, Dan? I would have had more if Artis would have passed it to me once in a while. <laughs> no, it was his colleague, Louis Dampier. <laughs> uh, Louis, when Dan and I... Well, hello, Dan. Sir, how are you? I'm great, Artis. Uh, and and let me let me congratulate you on your uh, on your uh, Hall of Fame induction. Long overdue. Well, sir, I really appreciate that. Certainly, uh, you know, I think back at the time, and we had uh, so much success together and fun and friends. We just developed a, an incredible relationship that we had together, and and certainly winning that championship helped an awful lot as well. How did you only win one championship with that? I mean, with you at Power Forward, Dan, and Artist at Center, you guys should have won every game. You know, you're, you're exactly right. <laughs> and, and, and one year, we almost did. I think it was my second year, uh, Artist's rookie year, uh, we went, the the, uh, the ABA played 84 games. Uh, we went 68 and 16. Uh, and uh, you're exactly right. We should have won. We should have won at least three ABA championships, but... Uh, you know that's that's the way it worked out. It was the coaching, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can blame, blame it on, on the coaching until our championship. That's when we were fortunate. We were all fortunate enough that uh, John Y. Brown uh, hired Hubie Brown uh, to coach that team, and and I really do believe that's why we won the championship. Artist, artist, what was Hubie like as a coach? Well, he's, uh, no question about it. extraordinary, knowledgeable individual. Uh, I, I've always said if there was a, a person who had uh, walked into the game, and, and the way he explains the game, he's a, a just a, a superb teacher as well as a, a great coach. And if he was just, you would, if you were an individual and had no knowledge of the game, and you had a needed a person to, to help you understand and guide you in that particular area you know there wouldn't be uh, there wouldn't be an any any better person to be able to do that than hubie brown who had better hair hubie or you artist repeat please who had better hair hubie or you <laughs> uh, somehow that that question i didn't get that again please repeat that who had a better hairdo you or hubie back in the day Oh, hairdo. Okay, the best hairdo. Okay. You know, no, that was, we always uh, uh, put that in, in somebody else's hand. I would say probably uh, um, Julius Irvin or Darnell Hillman, one of those individuals. They they both had afros. Uh, Artis's was just a lot bigger than Hubie's. <laughs> <laughs> At ABA, I mean, look at the players who played in the league. You had Rick Barry, you guys. You guys were absolutely loaded. I mean, Dr. J. Dr. J. We can't, who was, if Dr. J would have put in the NBA instead of the ABA, I think his records would have been even bigger. Well, I, I think you're exactly right because remember when when uh, when the merger took place and Julius went to Philadelphia, 
I mean, he was he was joining a team that already had a, a couple of other big stars, and I I really do believe that uh, he tempered his game somewhat to to fit into that situation. Dan, who are these kids screaming in the background? That that's not me. <laughs> oh, that's Artis's kids. My kids, my kids are long gone. You talk, talk to the A train about that. Yeah, no, those those are not my kids. Okay. Maybe they're not Arnold Schwarzenegger's kids, are they? Oh, wow. That's big. So, Dan, what was it like going from Batavia, Illinois, little tiny town outside Chicago, to one of the great college basketball powerhouses at Kentucky? Uh, you know, it was uh, it was terrific. I uh, I was very fortunate at Batavia that I that I had a coach in Don Vandersnick who uh, who took a special interest and uh, and worked with me uh, and and developed me into a player that was the that was deemed worthy enough to go to the University of Kentucky and uh, it was kind of a compromise. I I wanted to go to Wisconsin and. And my mom and dad wanted me to go to Northwestern, and I wound up at Kentucky as a compromise between those two schools. And of course, that was the best thing that I that I ever did. Artist, we're going to let you go. I know you got some other things you got to work on right now, but thank you again for coming on, Artist. And congratulations, again. Well, thank you very much. And one question, Dan: Are you going to make it in June, the middle of June, to that location? Uh, I'm not going to make it. Uh, not going to make that one. But I will be in Springfield, Massachusetts, when. Uh, when you're inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, I look forward to seeing you, big guy, and thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Okay, take care. Very well. Bye-bye. Dan, watching last night's game between the Bulls and Heat, what do you think the problem with the Bulls was? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, their shooting percentage was, uh, was a big, big problem. Uh, you know, when, uh, when you're number two, and I, and I'm not sure which is which, but when you're number two and your number three scoring options, uh, have a, a, an off night shooting, what, uh, what were, uh, what were they like seven for 25 or something like that combined? Uh, you know, when, when your number two and number three option don't have a good, a good game, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard, uh, it's kind of hard to, to, to win and, and to beat a team as good as the Heat are. Yeah. And the Bulls don't really have an interior presence, you know, the, the way an artist Gilmore provided back in the day. You know, it's, it's a lot of shooting from the perimeter, driving to the basket. And if, you, if the defense keeps you from driving to the basket and you have to shoot and, you, you're going to shoot 34%. You're not going to win too many of those games. Yeah, and and you know, I thought the big key in last night's game was uh, second chance opportunities. I mean, uh, Noah and uh, and and some of the other bull uh, bigs uh, had a lot of second chance opportunities. And when you're getting all of those second chances, getting offensive rebounds and second chances, you can score, uh, uh, shoot a, a lower percentage. And still be successful in the game, but if you're not getting second opportunities and you're and you're shooting shooting that that poor percentage, you know it, it's it's tough to win. When you played in Denver, you guys weren't known for your defense. I mean, you guys just played an up tempo, fast pace in that altitude with Doug Moe. <laughs> yeah, we uh, our attitude was the quickest way to get the ball back was to let the other team score. 
And so uh, it, it we, worked. <laughs> we we had uh, we had some scores on that team, but uh, you know if if uh, if Kiki Vanderway and and Alex English and I didn't get about uh, seventy five to ninety points a game, we were we were in trouble. But uh, it was a lot of fun to play that style of game. That's for sure. I was going to say, do you do you miss basketball the way it was when it was up and down when every possession wasn't so. Uh so prolonged you know i i think that um uh, the the change has been i mean the, the players are are better than we were i mean they're so gifted uh today with their their size and their speed uh uh players are much better but i think coaches come under so much scrutiny today uh that uh, you know they're almost afraid to lose control of the game and and uh, i i think i you're right i think the game whether you, whether you got up and down the floor like we did in denver or or maybe to a lesser extent i think the game was better when the players had control of the game whether rather than you know, having the point guard look over at the bench on every trip and have the coach call the play. When did that start? Did it start with Phil Jackson or Pat Riley? Who started this trend? Uh, I, you know, it was about that time. Now, I don't know if they, I, I don't know if they started it, but uh, uh, you know, the, 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 there certainly wasn't. I mean, there, there there wasn't the media scrutiny that you come under, and you know, you don't, you, you didn't have to have coaches didn't have a pregame. Uh, uh, press conference and a post game press conference and a and a day off press conference i mean it was uh uh you know it it was you you, you practiced and then you and then you let the players play the game i i'm not so sure that's the case anymore if you were playing today how easily would you be able to adapt to this this different style do you think i i, I don't think uh, and for for me personally i don't think well at all because uh you know, being a six-nine center, uh, most of the time I played in the NBA, uh, Wes Unsell was the only shorter center uh, in the NBA, and and I had success because I was able to do things, you know, that the normal centers didn't do. I could I could make a seventeen-foot jump shot. I could put the ball on the floor and and go around people. And so, you know, to to be able to take advantage of that at my position. You know, it had to be somewhat of an up and down game. I think that uh, you know, walking the ball up the court and, and calling set plays. Um, you know, I, I think that that would uh, that would definitely uh, be something that I, I that I, that would not benefit me. We talked to Dave Collins a couple of weeks ago, and he said that the reason he didn't go to Kentucky was they took you instead of him. <laughs> well, Dave Dave had a uh, Dave had a pretty good career, uh, but we we were contemporaries. In fact, Dave Cowens and I are born on the exact we're born on the exact same day, October twenty fifth, nineteen forty eight, the exact same day. But uh, he had a pretty good career without going to Kentucky. <laughs> now, if you came along today as a basketball player, you might not be a center either. Yeah, that's that, that's true. They that's, might have you shooting three pointers and. Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying you would be LeBron James, but you would be doing other things, don't you think? Well, I could shoot a three pointer. I'm not so sure I could get a, you know up and down uh, in a in a power forward position like I did. In fact, you asked earlier about uh, why why we didn't win more championships, and when we were with the Colonels, most of the most of the uh, the coaches that we had 
played artists and I in a in a kind of a dual post situation where I'd play on uh, artists being left-handed would play on the right-hand side of the lane. I'd play on the left-hand side and and uh, and go up and down from high post to low post. Really, when Hubie came in. Hubie made me uh, 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 just a strict forward. And if you look at my statistics as far as scoring, uh, it was one of the one of the worst years I had as a pro. But uh, it enabled us to win that championship, which is the most important thing. Okay, who was the best player you went up against? Well, I, I think Kareem would would have to be the best player I I played. I didn't I didn't have to guard Julius or or, or some of the other great uh, George McGinnis, some of the other great uh, young forwards that we had in our league. And and Kareem was definitely the best player I personally uh, played against. The the player that gave me the most problems was Moses Malone because most of the centers could not go out on the floor and and cover a perimeter player like like I played, but Moses had the quickness to do that and the power, uh, you know, to play on the low post as well. So he, he gave me the most problems. But as far as as uh, as the best player I ever played against, it was it was uh, Kareem. Now Kareem, in the last day or so, has been complaining <laughs> about not having a statue at the Staples Center and stuff like that. Well, what's going on? You know, I, I think it's Hollywood. I, I I happen to live. I moved to L.A. Uh, almost a year ago, and uh, Los Angeles is a different place. It's <laughs> it's certainly not Chicago or, or the Midwest, and I, I didn't understand that uh, at all. I I think I also heard an interview with Kareem uh, that said that it sounded like he was a little upset because of the relationship that Dr. Buss and Magic have, and some of the things that Magic was afforded, for instance, until just recently when he sold it, being able to be an investor in, in, in the, the, uh, the Lakers. So I, I think there might be a, a little bit... Uh, 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 some, je- some jealousy? Exactly. I think, I think Kareem's a little jealous maybe of... Of, of what has been afforded Magic here that, that he wasn't uh, included in. Well, Magic you... was much more the businessman also, I think, than Kareem was. Kareem was more the uh, philosophical, intellectual... Right, and and you know, and 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 magic is outgoing and and easy to be around, and you know, Kareem, Kareem, yeah, I think it would be fair to say played most of his career with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder too. So, uh, you know, definitely two different personalities. What do you think about Michael Jordan not being part owner of the Bulls? He's got his own team now. I mean, I think. Why didn't Jerry Reinsdorf just give him a percent interest just to keep him here in Chicago? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I guess that's up to the individual. But I, I think you're right. I think when you have somebody uh, like like a Magic, like a Kareem, like a, a Michael, uh, who was such an important part uh, of, of your history, of your success, I, I would think that you, you'd do anything you could to keep him uh, involved. Of course, I don't know. You know the personalities or the relationship or anything, but but it, I think that makes sense just from a practical matter. So, what are you doing out in Los Angeles other than enjoying the sunshine and the palm trees and the the ocean? I am uh, the executive director of Bel Air Presbyterian Church. A friend of mine, good friend, lifelong friend, is the senior pastor here, and I was 
not doing anything, hanging out in Denver, and he asked me to come out and do this, and uh, that's what I'm doing, and it's uh, every day is different, and it's a challenge, and I'm uh, I'm really enjoying it. Are you the fresh Prince of Bel Air now? Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> so does the church have a basketball team that you can coach? You know, it doesn't. In fact, I was just telling it doesn't even have a gymnasium. And I was telling somebody the other day, I wish we did have a gym. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd put together a men's basketball league all by myself. Don't you have any big-ticket benefactors there? <laughs> we need to get some of those guys. Okay. So would this be an over-60 league, do you think, with Dan Issel the star? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If I could get a fake ID, it'd be over 70. <laughs> get you, Gail Goodrich, get Dave Collins, get all you guys together. Pat Riley? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. You can't. Pat Riley doesn't want to mess his hair. No. I don't no, think it, it moves, does it? No, I don't think Pat, uh, I, you know, I've, I've known Pat for a long time. Pat was a senior at Kentucky when I was a freshman, and uh, I, I don't think we could get Pat to to be interested in something like that. You know who's got money in Kentucky could fund your thing is Frank Ramsey. I heard he's got all that Confederate money still in the bank. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting story. Uh, Frank Ramsey was actually my coach. This is something a lot of people don't remember. Frank Ramsey coached the Kentucky Colonels my, my rookie year. And when they, they hired Frank about 12 games into the season, and Coach Rupp called me and he said, now, Frank's just having a little bit of a cash flow problem, and uh, uh, he'll, he'll coach the team one year, and he'll be gone. It doesn't matter if you win, you lose one year, and Frank will be back in Madisonville. And sure enough, we went to the finals of the ABA championship. We lost in the seventh game. And 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 Frank walked away and and never came back again. But yeah, he Frank owns about ninety uh, percent of Madisonville, Kentucky. <laughs> we had him and uh, Jack Twyman on, and they went for forty minutes, and it was hysterical. You couldn't get Twyman to shut up. <laughs> so, what was Pat Riley back in the day before he had the gray hair? Uh, Pat Pat and and Louis Dampier, who were both All Americans uh, uh, at Kentucky room together and it was like it was like the odd couple you'd walk into their dorm room and on pat's side the 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 bed would be made immaculately there'd be uh his clothes were all hung in the closet everything on his side of the room was perfect and louis on louis side of the room it looked like he took his suitcase and opened it up on the bed and never moved anything after that it was it was hysterical but pat was prim and proper just like he is today even back then in college i'm surprised he didn't take over the heat this year when they started losing at the beginning of the year you know that that is interesting but i i think the fact that he hired uh spolstra i think probably uh you know gave uh, gave coach spolstra a little longer leash and uh and and they've put it together that that that's uh, that's going to be a great series i think from here on out who do you like you know, I, I, I liked the Bulls until last night, uh, and and the fact that now that uh, that the Heat have taken away home court advantage and have, have kind of figured out the second options, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be it's going to be a great series. But I think the fact that you know the Bulls are back in it and Miami, whether you love them or you hate them. 
the Dallas, Oklahoma City, which I think might be the most talented team in the league when you look at the age of those guys. I think any any the fact that there's going to be a new champion and it's just not the Lakers or the Celtics anymore is uh, is great for basketball. Do you think they're kind of upset that some of the small markets are doing well? I mean, Dallas is a major market, but not in basketball. And you got Oklahoma City. I mean, you got the Lakers out. You got the Knicks out. I mean. It's not good for ratings. Yeah, I guess it isn't. But uh, I mean, for those people, I mean, those are just people that are you know watching for the for the glitz and the glamour. For me, uh, when I view it, I mean, I'd much rather see the, these teams and see new teams in there, teams that are that have done a good job in building their organizations, like the Bulls, like Oklahoma City. Um, you know, I, li- I like to see those teams come to the forefront. Now, in your career, did you ever have a night like Dirk Nowitzki had the other evening when he went 12 for 15 from the field and 24 for 24 from the free throw line? No, but I can also tell you that uh, if I ever got close to that, people would, number one, they'd be double-teaming me, and number two, they'd be knocking me on the floor. I, I was amazed at at the fact that uh, they're, they're, they didn't change up the defensive uh philosophy in that game in the first half no they they didn't double team Navinsky uh, at any point they let they let him go one on one with whoever he was against the second half they kind of ran a guy at him after he made his move after he put the ball on the floor but i mean the fact that he goes to the free throw line 24 times shows you have nobody who can guard him one on one scotty's got to double team him on catch Get the ball out of his hands and make one of those other guys beat him. Don't you know? Don't let him score forty-eight points and win the basketball game. If you were to start a team, who would be your coach? Who would be my coach? That's a great question. Um, other than yourself, no. <laughs> um, that is a that that that's a terrific question. I, I I don't know. I like some of these. I like some of these young guys. I like. Uh, I like the guy in uh, New Orleans, uh, Williams, uh, that uh, played at Notre Dame. Um, I, Tom has done a terrific job, uh, and I didn't know I didn't know what a basketball junkie. I recently read an article about uh, Coach Tip, uh, and uh, it said that you know basketball is his whole life. He doesn't do he doesn't do anything else. I didn't I didn't know that about him, but he's he's done a terrific job with Chicago. It might be Tom. Frank Layden told us that when he was in New York with his son, Thibodeau was an assistant there, and he just wanted to sit there and talk basketball and get their knowledge. Yeah, well, I I, I heard he won't even go to a movie. That uh, you know he'd rather watch basketball films than go sit go sit in a movie theater. Yeah, for take two him hours. to see Hoosiers. He might do that. <laughs> Not like Frank Layden. Frank Layden, you know what he likes to do? <laughs> What's that? Frank Layden just likes to talk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, but he's done a terrific job this year. Thank you very much, Dan. It was a pleasure talking to you, and hope to see you back in the NBA soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Always thanks. a pleasure. Thank you. That was Basketball Hall of Famer Dan Issel. I'll tell you what, you'll never get this insight from today's players. I don't think so. Well, maybe maybe you will, but it'll be in about 30 years. <laughs> I can't see LeBron James doing an interview like this. At some point, he'll get reflective but I mean, he's way too young. Dan Issel has the benefit of age and uh, experience and all that good stuff. The only guy close is Barkley. I heard Barkley on ESPN the other day, and he went two hours nonstop. He was hysterical. Oh, I mean, you could ask Charles one question, and 
and get 40 minutes. He, he's entertaining, which is what you want somebody on television or radio or on the Internet to be. Not like Scotty Pippen. You know, Pip has certain insight. Phil Jackson once called him a, a basketball genius. But to translate that to entertainment, not so easy. They asked Barkley about Pippen's wife. He goes, I don't know how he got her. She's way out of his league. Well, you know, I think Scotty's paycheck probably helped. <laughs> exactly. But again, I mean, just the stuff is incredible. I mean, I think we had guests on comparable to Oprah had the other day. Well, we didn't get to hear any of our guests sing. If they had been able to sing, probably the way some, you know, Stevie Wonder, I'll put him in a class by himself. You know what the Amy Hayes can sing and do a little tap dance or something like that? On this table? In one of her outfits? Is that what you have in mind? Is that during the, during the show or after the show? Next week, the 40th birthday show. So it's up to you to get some good guests, Elliot. Bring the cupcakes. Bring the cupcakes? And you'll bring the torts? Uh, no comment. We want to thank our guest, Amy Hayes, Basketball Hall of Famers, Artis Gilmore, and Dan Hissel. I'm David Spade with my co-host, Elliot Harris. You were listening to Sports and Torts. Tune in again next week. Thanks. Thanks.